went back to normal. When was it ever normal? When, when we were dating a long time ago, Jeannie would never take me to any of her family reunions. I was naturally wondering if it was me. She finally told me, David, they're not normal. <laughs> and her parents listened to this on the internet and I'm in trouble. But I took her to one of my reunions. You know what she learned? We weren't normal either. <laughs> We're not. I searched the Bible and I can't find the word normal in Scripture. It's not there. And that's interesting to me. So today we're going to talk about the Christian life that, well, it isn't normal. Should it be? Let's pray. Father, here we are in this room at various stages in our Christian journey. Some hearing these words have been Christian longer than I've been alive. Maybe there's new Christians in this room, and maybe there's some that haven't made that leap yet. But Father, help us today to realize that you have called all of us for something better than what we can do on our own. Help us to not celebrate to be like the world, like our peers, but help us to be like, well, like you dream for our lives. The men and women of God that you want us to be. Help us today to hear your voice. And when we leave this place that you would whisper to us that we're not supposed to be the way we once were. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We begin in Matthew chapter 4, uh, beginning of verse 18, the call of some of the disciples. As he walked Jesus by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net to the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fish for people. Immediately they left the nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in a boat with their father's Zebedee, mending their nets, and he caught them. And immediately they left their boat and their father. And they followed Jesus. I'm skipping a few chapters to chapter 9, verse 9. The call of one more disciple. We'll just look at these five guys. Peter, Andrew, James, John, and now Matthew. Now Jesus was walking along. He called a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, the tax collector, follow me. And he got up and he followed Jesus. I love reading those stories and thinking about the excitement that had to be in these boys' lives. Jesus was gathering his disciples, calling fishermen and tax collectors. Well, they weren't lucky. This wasn't coincidence. This day was planned since before time. This day was ordained since God created Adam and Eve. Jesus planned to use these boys for the greatest adventure ever. And I thought this week, just as Peter and James and Andrew and John and Matthew were called, haven't you been called too? 
Haven't you had an encounter? Well, you're here. Something has happened to change you from the norm to being in God's house. He's done something to get your attention. And because of that, you should be giddy and awestruck and amazed. The creator of this world has called you. So I want to remind you of some things today about normal. The first thing that we need to know is the one who has called us is not normal. The one who has called you is not normal. We need to understand who's calling us. Did you get a telemarketer call this week at home? I don't like those. I really don't like them on my cell phone. I, and you get on those lists and you're not supposed to call them the list, I think, just gives you no more people. <laughs> and over the years, we've done different things. When our children were little, we would just hand them the phone and give them somebody to talk to. <laughs> until the telemarketer would hang up on them. Now with caller ID, it makes it a little bit easier. Sometimes you don't like being called, but the one that calls us into a relationship with him, into a life better than obviously what we can do on our own. God is not normal. We need to realize who is calling us. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Ruth, and Mary, and Martha, the God of Daniel, and Moses, and Zacchaeus. Fill in the blank with your favorite biblical story and the greatest power that you've ever seen. It's the same God. The God of all time is the one that calls us. Psalms 47.2 says this, For the Lord, the Most High, is awesome, a great king over all the earth. We need to remember that. An awesome God has called you. The one who calls us is not normal. And when we realize that, we dream dreams. And when we forget it, we stop dreaming, or we dream small dreams. And we forget we are servants of the Most High. But we never need to forget who has called us. Almighty God. The next thing we need to know is that the call he gives us is not normal. The call he gives us is not normal. And after that, we cannot follow him and be normal with the call first. Over 250 years ago, two Moravian men heard of an island in the West Indies that was owned by one man, a plantation master. He was a violent man who treated his slaves with contempt. He wouldn't allow them to pray. He would not allow them to have any form of Christianity on the island. No minister or missionary was allowed to come to the island. And so these two young Moravian men developed a burden for the people who might not ever hear about Jesus. And so what they did is they sold themselves to the master of the plantation. They sent letters offering slaves themselves. When money was sent to the slaves, they used the money to pay for their passage to get to the island. And they sold themselves in slavery for the rest of their lives. Their family went to the docks to see the ship off and watch them go, knowing they would never see them again. But they gave up their lives to go and live in a community of slaves to bring them the gospel. Missionaries are not normal. 
and if you've had the privilege of knowing them within your lifetime, we can all tell stories. I think of our friend Kathy from Indiana. Uh, Kathy grew up in a wonderful family that had anything and everything they wanted. Kathy could live in a life of luxury right now, could have children by now, could have grandchildren, but gave all of that up. As a single lady going to Brazil, today she's probably somewhere the time difference, but sometimes today she'll be in a flat bottom canoe hewn out of a log on the Amazon River going to minister to somebody. She's given up so much. One Thanksgiving, interestingly, she wanted turkey. We all want turkey a little bit at Thanksgiving, and Kathy wanted turkey and went to a store, and the closest thing she could find for Thanksgiving was turkey neck. And that's what she had. And I think of all that Kathy has given up, but Kathy, if she was standing here, and maybe one day she will, Kathy would tell you she's given nothing up. She would tell you about the greatest adventure that she's ever had, about working with indigenous Indian people, and working with drug lords in Colombia, and doing all sorts of things that are just amazing. Her call is not normal. Her life is not normal. Let me give you some examples for us today that aren't called to foreign fields to go to offices and schools, gatherings during the week. Like missionaries, we're called to put others first. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says this about how we are to be. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own, own interest, but to the interest of others. That's not normal. Our grandson Jackson is 15 months old now. He had a little friend come to visit him. They were in Tyler and Stephanie's wedding. This little boy's mother was. So two 15 months old were at Jackson's house this weekend. And so I asked Tyler yesterday, how Jackson do with his little friend? Tyler said, no. He really doesn't have the concept of sharing down quite yet. The other boy is tall and skinny, and Jackson's not quite as tall, and he's kind of husky, and Taylor says, like a basketball player, Jackson seems to be blocking the other child from anything. I'm kind of proud as a basketball player, and blocking the little child out from anything that he wants. You know, if you're in the nursery and you're keeping it, the kids are not doing that, and one kid went up to another to give them something, and you probably want to take a temperature, but that's not normal to share and to give. That's what we've been called to do. Let me read it again. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. As Christians, as we mature, as we develop, this is how we are to be. We do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility we regard others as better than ourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. That makes a difference. Let me brag on you a little bit from all the help we had at homecoming last week. People getting ready for the nursery and setting up tables and chairs and decorating, cleaning up and making sure everything was there and food and drink and all. You put others first. And that's important. When we were in Mississippi, I remember a funeral of a man who died over in Paris. 
He'd grown up in the little town in Mississippi. They flew his body back. And so the church was filled with people that weren't from Akron or Mississippi. They're from all over the world. And after the meal, after the funeral, the graveside, the church provided a meal for the family and all the out-of-town guests. When they were leaving, a young couple came to me with their baby, and they told me they lived in Memphis, which was, oh, 100 miles away. And they said, if we lived any closer, we would come to this church. And the reason they would come is because people put them for themselves. People helped them and fed them and ministered to them, and those things make such a difference. Putting other people first is not normal, but it's divine, isn't it? It is. We'll keep growing the church if we continue to put others first. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Obviously, it's on the screen. But I'm going to begin in verse 16. Tell us how to live. It says, live by the Spirit. I say, don't gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit. And what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Putting yourself first. I'm warning you as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But by contrast, the other side of the coin, the new life in Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They put away their self. If we live by the Spirit, let us be guided by the Spirit. And let us not become conceited and competing against one another, envying one another. But instead, put others first. There are so many examples that we can apply. In a world full of takers, we can be givers. In a world of complainers, we can be praisers. If we're a Christian, we should be different as a husband. We should be different as a wife. We should bless those who curse us, and we should be forgiving. Our call is, it is not normal. And our lives should be far from normal. I read about a businessman who owned a warehouse. The building had been empty for months and he hadn't been there. And he went to meet a potential buyer. When they went in, the windows were broken. There was trash thrown around the interior of the warehouse. And the owner was apologetic to the potential buyer. And he said, you know, when... If you buy this, I'll have a crew come in and they'll clean it out and they'll fix the windows and we'll make it just right. And the buyer said, forget about the repairs. When I buy this place, I'm going to build something completely different. I'm tearing it down. I don't want the building. I want the site. God didn't come into your life or my life to rescue us because he liked the building that we have made. He wants to develop a new site. He wants to change David and continues to change me. He wants an entirely new building, something beautiful, something I could never build on my own. 
people that try to improve their own lives so that God will accept them are like people sweeping out a warehouse that it's later to the wrecking ball that it's pointless. We have to let God make us who he wants us to become. And part of the sign of that is putting others first and having the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. About that transformation, about us not being normal, look what Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And he turned and he said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. And they had to scratch their head, but wait a minute, one of the Ten Commandments is honoring your parents, and we're told to love our wives and husbands. What is this? And Jesus continues, Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Which of you intending to build a tower does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid the foundation, he's not able to finish. All who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to wage war against another king will not sit first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000. If he cannot, then while the other's still away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciples if you don't give up all your possessions. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how can salt is beautiful? It's fit neither for the soil or for the manure pile. They throw it away. Then anyone with ears to hear and listen. That whole section that Jesus is giving in Luke 14 is about priorities, about pecking saying that God has to be first. And when we make God first, everything else falls into place, doesn't it? I don't want to be wrong. <coughs> we cannot follow God and be wrong. When our son Taylor left for college, his first year, freshman year, I was a basket case. And it was our oldest child, he was going away to school, and uh, I didn't like it. And the more I didn't like it, the more excited he got, I really didn't like that. He goes about three hours away to Campbellsville, University of Campbellsville, Kentucky. And we're taking him into the dorm room, and I'm not crying out, it's just a bad day. I got over it, by the way. And we're getting ready to leave, and I look at him, and I said, are you ready for the speech? And at that age, you know what he did. He rolled his eyes. Said, I've probably heard it before. And I looked at him, and I gave him a brief speech. I said, you did not come here to be average. That's all I said. Eight words. You did not come here to be normal. That's not the call for your life or mine. Remember who we serve. Remember what God can do. And remember what God can do. 